0: And welcome to Foothill Christian American Canyon. We're glad you joined us today. And we sincerely hope that you're blessed with today's message. Well, first of all, just to get started, um, I just want to, for those of you that, I always like to tell this story, how I met Pastor Rick. Uh, my wife and I uh, came to this church. I, was, I worked on occasion at Tula K Funeral Home and Cemetery. And I was there assisting in a service with the with the company there. And pastor Rick was there to officiate a service and we hit it off, just right off the bat. And uh, we began to talk talk and talk about the church here at Foothill in American Canyon. I well, Yeah, I live in American Canyon. He goes, you got to come visit us. And I did. And that's when the Spirit of the Lord moved on my heart and uh, revealed to me through the pastor that there was a need here for, for worship. And uh, Sandy and I have I've worship many years, and I've been worship before. And uh, here we are. The Lord brought us here. And I have to share with you that I, I had the same vision that Pastor Rick had, because he shared one with me, and like, well, I've had that same dream. God wants to do a work here. He wants to, he, he, the Lord loves pe- people, as you know. He uh, wants people saved and growing. And so we see this place filled. okay. But I have to tell you, uh, having walked with the Lord for so many years, the lord won 't unload that until until it's, until we 're ready and by that, I have to encourage you ask the Lord what He would have you do by way of service you know teach the, teach the kids, help set up whatever and, and some of you serve already bless you so all we know this too you know it. No one's going to unload on you and expect you to be here every Sunday. We do a rotation. So you're not always, you know, you you know people understand you have other things to do and want to go away and all that stuff. But the need is this, and I have to share with you. We don't want to unload everything on the pastor. Okay. Yes, he's chosen of the Lord Lord, and he's here. But we come along as the body of Christ to to assist him. Okay. And so I'm here to tell you, uh, based on what the Holy Spirit reveals in my heart. God wants to move, but he's waiting for leaders to rise up and take positions so that when the people begin to come, those needs will be met. Okay, So pray, God, what would you have me do? Teach a class, help set up, or ask the pastor, ask Pastor Anna, how how can I help you? And there there is always a need. Uh, Sandy and I uh, attend the Father's house, uh, and on occasion still. They have over 300 people that serve every Sunday. In three campuses. That's a lot of people. That's a lot of organization. Uh, but, but God moves in different churches. And here's one I know that he's going to move. And there's some exciting things coming. I can't tell you. You have to wait till Pastor Rick shares it with you. So uh, be in prayer. And, and be in prayer and ask the Lord, how can I serve the Lord? Because we do it all for, for, for Jesus. We're here to, to serve him. And, and I'm, I stand here uh, honored and privileged to speak before you, the body of Christ, uh, and and I've, I, uh, I'm not so much a preacher as I am a teacher, okay? So I hope this morning class, you'll, you'll get what uh, the message is this morning. Um, anyway, this morning's message is kind of different, not maybe you're, you're, uh, what you're used to. But uh, I find it needful that sometimes the body of Christ needs to be reminded why we're here. And the reason we're here is to spread the gospel, to reach the lost, you know, to be a witness, uh, to meet needs. And sometimes, uh, all too often, we forget that. So this morning's message is not intended to freak you or scare you, but to encourage you. Because we're living in a world that is, what, politically correct. And to speak about the Lord or your share your faith, oh, we don't want to hear that, or, or be tolerant, but we take our orders from our, our commander-in-chief who wrote this book. Yes. And he tells us, share your faith. Amen. Share the love of Jesus. And the, the need is great because we're, st- we're living in a world where, where that still is the case. Okay, And the reality of heaven and hell still exists. Amen. Okay, And people need to understand whether they want to hear it or not. And we, we tell it in love. I don't believe in, you know... Forcing someone in a corner. You must receive Christ or you're going to go to hell. No. We don't want to turn anybody off. Look at our example as Jesus. The Bible says that he spoke with authority. And people flocked to him. They loved him. And he spoke as one with authority. Okay. And that's what we're called to do. Each one of you here, if you're a follower of Jesus, you are an ambassador. You are a missionary to your neighborhood, to your workplace, to your family, all of us here this morning, me included, have friends and family that don't know Jesus. Amen. And they may get turned off and, sorry, I'm just a messenger. If I don't tell you about Jesus, he's going to hold me accountable. Yes. So we cannot be afraid to share our faith on account of, well, they may not like me or call me weird names or not let me play, play reindeer games or whatever, Okay. <laughs> Our, our task is to share our faith. We are, ready? We are commanded to share our faith yes. in love. Just like you're commanded to, by the Lord, to fellowship, to read your word, give to the poor, and those things, and on and on. That's a command. Okay? Not mine. God. And I, I like when I see people with their Bibles. I like to see people with their Bibles. Because not everyone who knocks on your door carrying a Bible is telling you the truth. That's why the Bible says, know your words, so you know, I mean, you guys should have your Bible, so I'm not up here, you know, telling you a, a Pharisee or a liar or, or some heresy, okay? So keep me on track. Anyway, let's go to the Lord. Father, we thank you again for the opportunity you give us to come and, and, and study and worship. Lord, now take control of this service. Speak to each heart. Encourage us this morning, Lord, that the need is great. The task is serious. Lord, we know that your return is very soon. And we know your, your word says that you wish that none should perish, but all should, all should come to the saving knowledge of Jesus. So Lord, I encourage us this morning. Spark us anew to, to leave this place and be on fire for you. Yes. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I hope this morning you are encouraged by what I'm going to share with you in Scripture and not, uh, you know not panic or freak out, because if you know the Lord Jesus as your personal Savior, you have nothing to fear. Uh, but those that don't, they have a lot to fear. And yet people walk around today and have no clue what what, you know, is, is what happens after death. You know, I find it odd, especially when I go to a funeral. People always prepare for the workplace. They prepare for college. They prepare for a new home. They prepare for a new wedding. But no one prepares for eternity. I mean, that, is, that, that, that word forever is a mind boggling word. I mean, you ever, you ever someone ever tell you how long is forever? Forever. I mean, we cannot comprehend that word, eternity. Forever. The Bible says uh, one day is as, as, as a thousand years to the Lord, a thousand years is one day. I mean, I guarantee you, we'll be praising the Lord, and so busy in heaven, we won't even know eternity is. I had a professor one time in college that said, don't think about eternity too much because if you do, you'll find yourself under your bed saying the Greek alphabet even if you don't know it because it blows your mind, that, that concept of forever and ever. This life here, brief, amen? I mean, uh, here I am, 60 years old. I, I, didn't, I didn't think I lived that long. But here we are, 2017, 18 is around the corner. here past mid- mid- mid-year, it's going to be a new year pretty soon. I'm watching the TV, they're saying Christmas is coming. What? I mean, it goes by fast. Yes. Think about eternity. So whatever problems I may have here, or illnesses, whatever, nothing compared to when I come before the presence of the Lord. But think of that eternity away from God. Not a thought you want to think about. And when you think of friends and family who don't know Jesus, that should ignite you. They need to know Christ. At all costs. Amen. At all costs. Okay? You know, Jesus talked more about Hell, they did not about anything else. In fact, when the disciples asked him, "What's hell like?" he would say, "Gehenna," the Greek word for the town dump, because it was always smoldering. Jesus, what's hell like? Gehenna.
1: Go to, go go see and it. Was, it was
0: where people just dumped their trash. It was always on fire, always smoldering. Okay, and I think you're going to see here in a minute uh, a passage where Jesus. Um, mentions about that. And remember, he taught in his scripture that I am the only way. Jesus is the only way to heaven. He's not a way. He's the only way. Mohammed may come out and say, I'm a way, or Buddha may teach a way, or anything else, but sorry. Jesus is the only one that claimed those claims. I am the good shepherd. I am the way. I am the bread. I am the living water. And he's the one that says, I'll be buried and raised in three dead, Three days. If you look at Muhammad in his tomb, Buddha in his tomb, Confucius in his tomb, Jesus cannot find him. Everything he claimed that he was going to do, he did. Prophesied 700 years even before his birth. And those prophecies have come true. To this day, to the letter, from the prophets of Daniel, Joel, Amos, Ezekiel, Isaiah, and on. Everything prophesied about Jesus has happened. And his, his death and resurrection. Destroy this temple in three days, I'll raise it again. He claimed that about himself. Who can make claims like that and keep them? Only Jesus. So when he says, yeah, there is a hell and there is a heaven, believe it. You know, I've talked to people, oh, hell is right here. When I die, I'm just going to party. Good luck with that, okay? (laughs) I mean, just because you don't believe something doesn't mean it's not true, okay? We, we, We see a lot of people like that. They tell you things, but that's not true. But they believe that, unfortunately. We're called to share our faith and love and warn people that God does not send no one to hell. Okay? I, want that, I want that clear. Don't misunderstand me this morning. God doesn't send anyone to hell. People do. They have a choice. Just like you had a choice to get up and come to church this morning. You had a choice to get up and put on blue clothes, white clothes, pink clothes, whatever. You had a choice to have decaf or non-decaf, coffee at all. You have a choice. Yes. You have a choice to follow the Lord or not to follow Jesus said if you're not for me you're against me there's only two kinds of people in the world today okay? redeemed and non-redeemed that's it God doesn't look at color you're redeemed or you're lost Amen. I get I get I'm amazed when I go to a game although it's been a while football game or basketball game or soccer and the cheers and I think to myself wow how many of these people in here know Jesus right? How many? How many know? Jesus is what narrows the way, broad is the way of destruction, narrows the way to heaven, and few there be that find it. That's that. When he says, "Few there be that find it." OK? Anyway, our Christian faith is important. People need to hear about Jesus, and we don't need to be afraid to share with the lost. It says in Hebrews chapter ten, it says not forsaking our own assembly together, as is the habit of some, uh, but encouraging one another, as we do on Sunday morning, as we do on Bible study, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Talking about the day of the Lord when He returns. So see, God wants us to gather. God wants us to worship. Don't forget to come to church. But let me ask you a question. Think about it. How would you describe hell to somebody if you had to give a description? A lot of people don't believe in a literal hell, okay? There are a lot of words for hell. Some call it Hades, hell, lake of fire, okay? There's a word in scripture called Sheol, but that's basically translated the grave. That's all that is, okay? Um, but the Old Testament makes a note of hell in Isaiah chapter thirty, three, fourteen. 14. I think we might have that scripture. It says, Sinners in Zion are terrified. Trembling has seized the godless, Who among us can live with consuming fire? Who among us can live with continual burning? If you were to describe hell to someone, I'm going to give you a couple of ideas, what the Bible says about it, not my ideas. But number one, A, it's a continual burning. All right? Class, hell, by what the standards of Scripture teach, hell is a continual burning. Okay? It's not party life. It's not everyone have a good time. It's not drink to get drunk. Okay, the Bible says hell is a continual burning. And Isaiah says, who could stand in that presence? Who can handle that? I think God is very clever uh, to create hell. Now remember, God created hell for the devil and his angels. When the devil was created, he's a created being and has no power to withstand God. And by the day the devil decided, you know, a revolt, God said, you're out of here. So he created this place, okay? But God sees fit to send those who reject Jesus. By the way, you should know, the Bible says you are commanded to receive the gospel. There's a scripture, I'll show it to you. You are commanded to receive the gospel. But just like a military commander command your parents might give I command you to clean up your room. No. People still say no. People still have a choice. I'm not going to. I'm not going to receive the gospel. You've heard of Billy Graham for over 60 years, you know, in stadiums around the world, preaching the gospel. Just come. Come as you are. That's the choice. So, there is a hell. And it's continual burning, the Bible says. In fact, as I mentioned earlier, Jesus made, made reference to it. Secondly, B, it's unquenchable fire, the Bible says. I'm reading from Mark chapter 9, verse 43. It says, and if your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life crippled than having your two hands and go into hell into unquenchable fire. That's Mark chapter 9, verse 43. If you're taking notes. So Jesus says it's unquenchable fire. Again, I was mentioning God is kind of clever. In the medical field, correct me if I'm wrong, one of the worst injuries is a burn, right? And I think think because if you get like a third degree burn bad, it burns off all your, your nerve endings. You feel it. You feel the pain. You ever seen a burn and where the people got to get cleaned and de- debridement of the skin, or they put them in these tubs, and they got to, that's painful. They, 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 there's no anesthesia for that. There's no, I mean, they can pump them maybe full of morphine, but they still feel it. Very interesting. But if you, I don't know if you've ever been burned real bad, or you've seen people that have been like disfigured, unfortunately. So burns are, are, are horrible. And God chooses unquenchable fire for punishment. Okay? And Jesus made reference to it. Um, You know, it's interesting. Um, Let me have you turn to Mark. I'm going to go there. Turn to Mark chapter 9. I want to show you something. Mark 9. Verse 43 I just read. But um, jump jump down to verse um, 48. Jesus continues. Notice what he says. Where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. An interesting verse. He says, you know, better you go, go to life crippled with the hands cut off than you go into a unquestionable an file. And then he goes on to say, where the worm does not die, where the fire is not quenched. Isaiah makes reference to the same thing. Where the worm does not die. You ever, you ever, I don't, I don't, you know, suggest you do this. But if you ever go outside your back door and grab a piece of meat, raw meat, throw it out there. What happens in a couple of days? Lies. Maggots. Maggots. You know, they just eat it, they burp and die. That's basically what they do. What I'm understanding here from Scripture is that there's a worm crawling on hold of you that will not go away. See? Again, again, I'm showing you what Scripture is teaching. And again, I want you, I want you to think about, you know, this is the place that God has created for those who are against him. Those who reject what Jesus did on the cross for you and me. This is, what, this is the place he created for those angels that have rebelled against him. Okay, he created this. And, and in the scripture, all through the Old Testament, all through the New Testament, he's telling us, I don't want you to go there. That's why I sent Jesus. I want you to escape this. So Jesus in Mark says, "Where the worm does not die." Isaiah sixty six twenty four, for the worm shall not die and the fire shall not be quenched. Same thing. And then, not only is there, um, not only is there a a questionable fire, but also number C, um, outer darkness, weeping and wailing. Isn't it interesting? There's a flame, but it's outer darkness. That's weird. Again, God. Again, God is the creator of this place. In Matthew eighteen, Matthew eight verse twelve, it says, "But the sons of the kingdom shall cast, be cast into the outer darkness, and that place there shall be weeping, wailing, and gnashing of teeth." Now, that phrase there, "the sons of the kingdom," in the original Greek, referred to Jews. Jesus was talking to Jews because remember, the church hadn't been born yet. Okay. The church was born in Acts 2 and Jesus hadn't, hadn't ascended yet. So he, he makes this statement to the Jews. He says, The sons of the kingdom shall be cast into the outer darkness. In that place there shall be weeping, wailing, and gnashing of teeth. And then in Mat- Matthew 8, 11, Gentiles were also included in there. But Jesus himself w- w- describes hell. Outer darkness, weeping and wailing. In a place where a person's in a flame. And then finally, D... This is This, this must be the, the worst one. Away from the presence of the Lord. That's, that's, that's the one that grips me the most. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 8 and 9, the scripture goes, Dealing out retribution to those who do not know God and to those who do not obey. Listen. Obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And these will pay the penalty of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His Hour. In other words, in other words, when a person is lost, there will come a day when, when God basically says, close up the doors, I'm going to forget about them. Away from my presence. Never to be reminded about them ever again. I think that's the worst thing. You know, we, 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 we today we can talk to the Lord, we pray to Him, He answers our prayers. But can you imagine? In, in the Old Testament, there were times, in fact, uh, in, in Hosea, was it Hosea? I forget where. Where Ephraim was being disobedient to God. And finally God told the prophet, Ephraim has joined the idols. Them, Leave them alone. Don't go to them anymore. Forget them. And for God to say something like that, whoa, you know he's angry. But here Jesus, in, or Paul in 2 Thessalonians teaches, from the, away from the presence of the Lord is hell. No more. I mean, pray all you want. I'm not listening. For all eternity. Remember we start out with that word forever. For all eternity. I wanted, to, I wanted to grip you folks, brothers and sisters, because there are people out there who need Jesus. Mm-hmm. And, and we need to share our faith. We need, we need to have love to share Jesus with them. And be persistent in love. Yes. Okay? Amen. Now I want us all to turn to Luke chapter 16. Jesus told a story that actually happened. Not a parable, okay? The story of the rich man and Lazarus. And this is not the same Lazarus that Jesus rose from the dead. It's a different Lazarus. In chapter 16, verses 19 to the end of the chapter, Jesus tells a story. They were discussing the afterlife, hell. So Jesus brings up the story and telling his audience. Now I'm going to read it to you. Here we go. Now, there was a certain rich man. Now, first of all, this doesn't mean that rich people go to hell. <laughs> okay. No. Okay. Or, just, or, or just poor people go to heaven. It, they just, this guy happened to be rich, and Lazarus happened to be poor, and Lazarus happened to be a believer. That's all. Okay. I, I don't want no misunderstanding. Now, there was a certain rich man, and he habitually dressed in purple and fine linen, gaily living in splendor every day. And a certain poor man named Lazarus, was laid at his gate covered with sores. Poor Lazarus. And longing to be fed with the crumbs which were falling from the rich man's table. Besides, even the dogs were coming and licking his sores. That's a terrible sight. I mean, just picture that. Too bad. I'm so sad. Now it came about, and this is important. Follow along with me. Okay? Yeah, that's why it's important to study the word because God speaks in his word and you find the clues in the Scripture, okay? And it says... Now, it came about that the poor man died. Remember that. And he was carried. Uh, I'm sorry. The poor man died and was carried away by the angels to Abraham's bosom. Okay, And the rich man also, and he was buried. What happened to the carried? I don't see no carrying here. Lazarus dies, carries, rich man, buried. Okay, Let's go on. And in Hades... He lifted his eyes, being in torment, and saw Abraham far away and Lazarus in his bosom. So, so picture this. In the old, the old Testament times, when someone died, okay, uh, before Jesus was on the scene and, and his, before his uh, crucifixion and resurrection, when a person died, they would go comfortably to a place called Abraham's bosom. You know, when I mean, you think of bosom, you think of here. No, no, they weren't living in Abraham's belly, but just like a place that Abraham was in charge of. If I can... Uh, Make it plain for you. So they died. It's kind of like a waiting room. So Jesus is telling the story, it's describing that there is Lazarus in Abraham's bosom. And the rich man, being in torment, sees this. Okay, let's go on. Verse 24. And he cried out and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. Send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his fingers in water and cool off my tongue. Obviously, he was hot. For I am in agony in this flame. But Abraham said, child, remember that during your life you received good things and likewise Lazarus' bad things. But now he is being comforted here and you are in agony. Verse 26. Beside this, uh, beside this, between us and you there is a great chasm affix, in order that those who uh, wish to come here to there may not and vice versa. Okay? Verse 27. And he said, then I beg you, Father Abraham, that you send him to my father's house. He says, I have five brothers, that they may warn him, lest they also come to this place of torment. Notice Abraham's response. They have Moses and the prophets, in other words, the writings. They can read them. But he said, no, Father Abraham, but if someone goes back from the dead, they will repent. Verse 31. But he said to him, even if they they don't listen to Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded if someone comes back from the dead. Jesus came back from the dead. Are they believing him? No. So he's saying, send my brother. Interesting story. Okay? That Lazarus here gets carried away. You know, in, old, in the New Testament, in the New Testament, in, in 1 Thessalonians and, and John 11, when the Bible refers to a believer dying, Paul refers to you just falling asleep. When a non-believer dies, they're buried. I want, I want to point this out to you. The rich man was buried. Lazarus was carried away by angels. This is an important point. Because, see, a lot of believers today fear death. And you have to understand this. Jesus died and took away death. He said, oh, death, where's your sting? Oh, grave, where's your victory? Okay? As a believer in Jesus, you will not experience death. Yes. Stay with me, grasp this, because a lot of people don't. The thing you fear the most, you will never experience. A little example may help you understand. story of a father and a son, and they would uh, make things and go sell them in the village. Well, he took his son one day, and they went into town. And on, on route to town, they have to cross this bridge, and there's roaring water, you know, feet, hundreds of feet below, so they go. Their business in town lasts a little longer than what ex- had expected. And they're coming back and it's nighttime now. It's dark. So when they come back to the bridge, the boy begins to cry. And the father says, what's the matter? Well, it's scary. The bridge, you know, we might fall. We can't see. Well, the father, in his compassion, quickly picks up the boy, puts him in his arms. And the boy fast asleep. Next thing the boy remembers, he's waking up in his bed. Sunlight coming through his window. The thing he feared the worst, most he never experienced. And that's the way it is for a Christian. You will never experience a death. If the Lord tarries and doesn't return enough, we you know, all grow old and eventually you know, he calls us home. You'll not experience that. The Bible says you will fall asleep. Wake up in the presence of the Lord. Now for, now for a non-believer, that's a different story. Okay, That's a different story. Now, Abraham's bosom is an interesting place, but I'm here to tell you that it changed one day, okay? And it all all took place when Jesus rose from the dead. So if you were to ask me, does Abraham's bosom exist today? No, it does not. Because if you recall the episode on the cross, when Jesus died on the cross and he died between two criminals, remember what he told one, today you'll be with me in Abraham's bosom, right? No. you will be with me in paradise. Okay? It changed. I'm reading from Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7. Um, Actually, jump down to verse 9, uh, 6 rather. Ephesians 4, 6 says, Paul writes, Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led captive a host of captives and gave gifts to men. Now, this expression, he ascended, what does it mean except that he also descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is himself he who ascended Far above all heavens that he might fill all things. Paul is talking about Jesus. That one day, or what happened, Jesus died on the cross for your sins and mine, and and he was buried. And the Bible says that he descended. He went down to hell. He preached a sermon of victory. He took the keys of death, took the keys of the grave, and on his way up, he took those captive. Who? Those in Abraham's bosom. They were captive there. And he took him on up to paradise, so he could rightly say to that criminal, "Today you will be with me in paradise." Yes. So today, when a believer dies, you go in the presence of the Lord in paradise, because heaven is a future certainty. We'll all enter heaven together one day. One day, Amen. the heavenly city. Okay, the the the, 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 new, the new Jerusalem. But I tell you that to share with you that you know, for a believer, Paul said what? For me to live as Christ and die as promotion. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. This morning, you don't need to fear death. There are a lot of believers that have that anxiety. In fact, there's a big fixation of death right now among teenagers. They're killing themselves, committing suicide in record numbers. These people need to know Jesus. They need to know they're worth something in our Father's eyes. So for a believer to face death, That's an exciting thing. In fact, the Bible says how precious in the sight of the Lord are the death of his saints. Did you know that you're a saint this morning? You're a saint. Amen. Okay? In God's eyes. Yes. Let's go back to Ephesians 16. Let me, Luke 16, sorry. I want you to note four things that we see about this story. Number one, number one, that there's a conscious existence after death. Okay? Obviously there's a conscience existence when you're in heaven because you're going to know people, you're going to be worshipping the Lord. But we're talking about hell, okay? There's a conscience existence after death. This guy, the, the the rich man, they were talking. He saw what was going on. Okay? Number 2, the reality of torment in hell. The Bible declares you're going to be in torment. You're going to be in pain, suffering for your sin. Number 3, There's no second chance after death. The Bible says, it is appointed once for man to die, and after this, the judgment. Now, if you're a believer in Jesus, you will not face that judgment that the Bible talks about. You'll face the judgment seat of Christ for what you did or did not do for the Lord. But the salvation issue is settled here right now on planet Earth. That's why we share with the lost about coming to know Jesus. Because... You saying yes to Christ changes your eternity. And, and, and you're ready for heaven. Okay, you don't, you don't get saved and hope to get into heaven. No. The Bible says in Ephesians, Paul says, you have been sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise. I used to teach young people and I would tell them, what is a seal I You're sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. When you become a Christian, you're sealed. The stamp of God is on your life. Okay? You're sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. You're sealed to the day of redemption. You're sealed. There's a, there's a place, you, Paul says there, there, there's a, you've been seated in heavenly places. There's a chair with your name on in heaven. That's the way it's going to be till you get there. Your salvation is secure. So when, you, when we come before the presence of the Lord, as Corinthians teaches, you and I will come before the judgment seat of Christ where he'll welcome you and say I have some rewards for you. And He's going to give you reward, reward you accordingly for what you did for Him. But the salvation issue is dealt with here and now. Not when you die and go to heaven. You're saved now. Ready for this? You can experience a little bit of heaven right now. Amen. Watching how God answers prayer. Looking at a miracle sitting right here in front of you. Amen. God answers prayer. He moves in our lives. He, he wants us to call on Him. He wants us to be totally dependent on Him. Yes. God says... God says, "Test me, see if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour out my blessing." Yes, He wants to do that. The problem is we get caught up in our situations and wrong. We forget who He is. Mm-hmm. Remember, He's a God who opened up the sea and allowed the, the Israelites to walk on dry land. Did all these miracles? He is still the same. The Bible says, "I changed not; I'm the same." You, you, you need a mountain need to be removed? Ask Him to move it. You got a situation? Take your eyes off the situation. Trust in the Lord and watch what He'll do. You know, God's almost, almost, not being disrespectful, almost uh, in a way a little comical. He says, I'm drawing the line. I dare you to dare me. Watch what I can do for you. Mm-hmm. But there's a key. you got to be walking with him. Yes. God is not a genie. No, you got to be walking with him. Every day. Every day. So... There's a conscious existence after death. The reality of, of, of torment in hell. No second chance after death. And then fourthly, the impossibility of the dead talking to the living. Now You may read about people have seances. That's nonsense. That's demonic. Yes. Okay. That doesn't happen. Oh, I talked to my uncle George. He's been dead for... You talked to a demon. Sorry. Because the devil's you know, people that go after that stuff, the devil please them by monkeying with their mind, and we're not to have anything to do with that. Also, note this: there's two different lives in the story, okay? Two different lives, two different deaths, and two different destinies. In, in the story of Luke 16, see, everybody has a choice. Even today, uh, 2017, everybody's got a choice. Jesus came back from the dead and he proved who, who he said he was and the claims he made. And today, he, he lives today. We talk to him. We worship him. Uh, I, talk to, I talk to the Lord every, every day. He talks back to me through his word. He's alive today. He's, he's in heaven preparing a place for you and me. Amen. One last, one last verse I want to show you. 1 John chapter 5. You know, it's interesting that the Lord wants to make sure that we are 100% sure of our salvation. Because a lot of people, you know, in churches, you know, kind of get, you know, doubts, fears. But in First John chapter 5, look at verse 10. John writes, and it can't be any more clearer than this. The one who believes in the Son of God has the witness in himself. The one who does not believe God has made him a liar. Those are those are strong words. Because he has not believed in the witness that God has borne concerning his son. Now picture this. God puts great weight on Jesus. Okay. Stop stop there and just, just listen for a minute. When when before the world was created, God had a plan that I'm gonna redeem mankind. I'm gonna send my son. You know, he didn't have to do that, okay? But he chose to do it. And if you, if you look at the life of Abraham and Isaac, remember when God told him to sacrifice his son in that story? Was, Isaac was the type, type of Christ. Abraham walked with God, had a trust relationship with God for over 22 years. You notice in Scripture, Abraham never talked back to God. What? you, you out of your mind? God said, I want you to take your son and sacrifice him. I find nothing in scripture where Abraham disputed. Boom. Went to do it. And and, and he came with servants. And they put the wood on Isaac's back, a type of Christ Jesus on the cross. And notice what he told told, told the servants: Me and the boy are going to worship on the mountain and we will come back to you. Abraham knew he was going to kill his son. But Abraham had that relationship of trust with God that he knew that god i believe in is going to have to resurrect my son if i put him to death and you you hear that in that phrase we will come back to you so they go up the mountain like jesus did galgatha here's isaac and he makes the altar and i don't see anywhere where isaac's running away leave me alone you crazy old man no and in fact historians teach isaac may have been 17 years old maybe even older and let his dead bind him, lay him on an altar, light a fire, raise a knife. Type of Jesus. And just before God said, hold it. Now I know. Now I know that you will withhold nothing from me. Because Abraham trusted God. And then there in the thicket was the ram that God had provided. So the sacrifice went on, but with the ram. So Isaac was the type of Christ. But I, when I read that story, I think of the Lord. Because see, centuries later, possibly on that same mountain, God was going to give his own son. To die a terrible death. Put yourself in God's shoes. If you gave your most precious gift, how would you want the world to respond? Thanking him? Loving him? Receiving it? Or hating him? So God says, since you don't like my son and the gift I sent, then you deserve hell. Think about it. If it was your son and you gave your son And the world rejects him. How much do you love me, Jesus? And he stretched out his hands and died. Creating the world was nothing for God. He spoke it into existence. But when he sent his son to die, he had to flex his muscle. And, And we see a world that rejects Jesus. Some of these people, unfortunately, they don't know. That's why God calls you and me. Back to 1 John 5. He says, The one who believes in the Son of God has a witness in himself. The one who does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed in the witness that God has borne concerning his Son. And John says in verse 11, And the witness is this, that God has given us eternal life and this life is in his Son. This morning, if you want to make sure you have eternal life, do you have the Son? If you do, you got eternal life. Look at verse 12. He who has a son has the life. He who does not have the son of God does not have the life. And look at how John concludes it in verse 13. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know. No more doubt. No more fear. Don't let Satan come and tell you. You're not really saved. No more that. John says here, that you may know. You have Jesus now you know. And no one can take that away from you. No one. Not the lies of Satan or friends who may keep you, or whatever. Because your name's sealed. And you're sealed. Right there it is. First John. That you may know. And if this isn't heavy enough, i got something else for you. Let's conclude real quick. Turn to Revelation 20, please. Revelation 20. There is one last, one last uh, event that will take place, yet way in the future. I believe that you and I, as believers, will, will witness this. We will not participate in it. Thank God. But this in Scripture is called the Great White Throne Judgment. This is a judgment that no Christian will be involved in. But I want to show you. This is the final judgment. In Revelation 20, at verse 12, notice what it says. This is yet future. Thousands, years yet future. Maybe after the millennium, okay? But it says, and John again, the same writer that we just read in 1 John. John says, I saw the dead, the great, and the small, standing before the throne, and the books were open, and another book was open. That's important, okay? Which is the book of life. And the dead were, noticed judged from the things which were written in the book's according to their deeds. Okay? According to their deeds. Too soon. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead which were in them, and they were judged, everyone, according to their deeds. That's an important phrase. Okay? And then look at this. Verse 14. And death and Hades, or hell, okay, Death and hell were thrown in the lake of fire. This is the second death. You follow? The lake of fire. And here's a warning. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown in the lake of fire. This is the final judgment. This is where all the unbelieving dead go. This is where hell goes, where death goes. Everyone. And notice the picture here. How do you get to heaven? Heaven. through through salvation, through Christ. Amen? Amen. Yet here we see, for the unbelieving dead, that God brings them up before him, or Jesus does, and he judges them according to their deeds. This This is the grace of God. Maybe there's someone good enough that can get into heaven by their deeds. Let's check it out. Is that grace or what? I mean, think about it. The scripture says salvation is through Christ, and I believe that. Amen. But notice here, John writes, and I saw, he saw this, and they opened up the books according to their deeds. And the end result is, sorry, they all went in the lake of fire. Because your deeds won't save you. Only Christ's righteousness will save you. But hell itself today will be thrown in the lake of fire. Death will be thrown in the lake of fire. And the Bible says if anyone's name is not found written in the book of life, that book of life that we just read in 1 John that you may know, if anyone's name is not written in the book, they're cast in the lake of fire for all eternity. Is there a hell? Yes, there is. Is there a heaven? Yes. And maybe on another day I'll teach on that. I love heaven better than I do hell. But the lake of fire is a final destruction okay final destination you know why I think we might be witnessing this because in Revelation 21 4 it says and he shall wipe away all tears from their eyes obviously a scene worth crying over if you see people you may know cast in the lake of fire I saw when 9-11 happened and the buildings came down the, the towers people were weeping for the loss of life and rightly so can you imagine standing before the throne and seeing the multitudes cast away. No wonder God's going to take his celestial handkerchief and wipe away our tears. But see, we have a duty, a compassion, if you will, to warn people. Right now. And not be afraid. Tell them about Jesus. Hey, Jesus loves you, man. Hey, can I pray for you? Come, Come to church with me. Maybe, maybe you're thinking, well, I, I can't speak. Well, ask God to bring someone to them. Or bring them to someone that can't speak better and share Jesus with them. Whatever it takes. This is a, this is a, this is a scary thing for those that don't know Christ. If today Jesus were to return, we'd be in, in His presence. If I died today, I know my wife would be sad, you'd be sad. But I'll be, I'll be fine. I'm in heaven in His presence. I'm waiting to see my parents. They've gone before me. I'm waiting to see them one day. I'm excited. But I fear and, I, and my heart aches for people that I know who don't know Christ. Amen. I would not want to be living right now, step outside my house and not be saved because tomorrow is not promised to us. Yes. Amen. So, you need to ask the question. Have you been born once? Or have you been born twice? If you're born twice, you've been born again. Because if you're born once, you're going to die twice. Die physically and die a second death as we read in Revelation. That's the question I would ask friends. Hey, you've been born once or twice, what are you talking about? Glad you ask. I'll be happy to explain. And share Jesus. Hell is a real place. God doesn't want no one to go there. The Bible says in Peter, God does not desire anyone to be lost, but all to be saved. But he uses you and me, brothers and sisters, to have compassion. Yes. Okay? Put on Jesus and share your faith. Amen. I started earlier by saying God wants to do a work here in American Canyon. And he's chosen you and me to do it. My encouragement okay, is take what you heard this morning and be re-energized to live for Jesus and share your faith. Will you bow your heads with me this morning? (laughs) Father God, we thank you that you love us enough to warn us about hell. You sent Jesus. You've given us your word, Lord. And Lord, your command is you ask us to go. Go and preach the gospel. And not just telling pastors, but you're telling everyone that believes in you. And so this morning with your heads bowed, I want to ask you to be sure this morning. If you want to be sure, maybe you're not sure. That's my number one aim, is that you know before you walk out of this building that Jesus is in your heart. I don't want no one to miss this, your point this time. I'm going to say a prayer. I want all, all of you with your heads bowed just to repeat it out loud. And if you've never prayed this prayer, but you want to pray the prayer to receive Christ for the first time and you sincerely mean it, just pray alongside everybody else. So pray with me now. Dear Jesus, Dear Jesus. I believe who you are. I believe who you are. I believe you're the Son of God. I believe that you're the Son of God. You came to die for us. You came to die for us. Rose from the dead. Rose from the dead. And are living in heaven today. And living in heaven today. I receive that, Lord. I receive that, Lord. Ask you to save me. Ask you to save me. And prepare me for heaven. And prepare me for heaven. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 If this morning you pray that for the very first time in a minute, praise God. On the authority of the Word of God, you have been born again a second time. I want you to do something, though. If you've prayed that prayer for the first time, I want you to do something. I want you this, this week to tell three people, whoever they are. It could be pastor, myself, or someone at work. Hey, I want to share something with you. Last Sunday, I prayed to receive Jesus Christ. Tell three people this week if this is the first time you've prayed to receive Christ in a minute. Tell these three people. Why do I ask you to do that? Because it gets you in that attitude to start sharing your faith. Okay? It's important. And let the pastor know. Hey, Pastor Rig, last Sunday I, I prayed with Dan to receive Christ for the very first time in Minute. He'll give you a hug and he'll congratulate you. It's the best thing you can do. You and I know the people we we know that don't know Christ. So again, my encouragement is go out this week, pray for them, and share with them. Okay? Hell is a real place. God doesn't intend anyone to go there. But he, he, it's set up. Okay, And unfortunately, people send themselves. So Father, we thank you again for this morning, for your word. Thank you, God, that uh, you love us. Yes. Even with all our inadequacies and our faults, you love us, Lord. Yes. We believe in you. We ask you to go with us now. Watch over us. Thank you for this time. In Jesus' name. Everybody said. Amen. God bless you. Have a good week.